Hello, and welcome to episode five of The Break, where every week we'll discuss three topics that range from anything that happened behind the scenes and off the court, as well as helping you guys navigate the world of NBA Twitter, and our third segment that'll focus on possibilities and predictions of things to come. So today we'll be looking at what draws in free agents to teams. Is it still all about the money? Also, we'll take a look at the Cavs' ridiculously horrible start, and Justin will hate us all for the rest of the show. (laughs) And we'll see if the Raptors' young guys are stacking up. My name is Megan Engels. Thank you guys for listening today, and I'm joined by Justin Rowan and Phil Boileau. Hi, guys. What up? What up? Justin, how much are you going to hate us today? Should I save it till the end? I'm thinking of saving it to the end so you can just... You could go whenever. (laughs) I, I really don't care. And I, how 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 is it possible for me to care more than the Cavs? If if they don't care, then why should I? So looking forward to my Giannis MVP call from the start. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, definitely going to get MVP on a non-playoff team. Oof, oof. I think they're going to come back. <laughs> uh, my Thon Maker prediction of 18 and seven is a bit off, though. I'm not going to lie. They just got to fire Jason Kidd. It's that simple. <laughs> if I remember anything about Phil's prediction, is that he predicts an outcome of every possible. Outcome, oh, yeah. <laughs> so then he can just always be right, no matter what. He'll be like, "Oh, I said that was going to happen." I kind of like, well, also said the opposite was going to happen. The place. Uh, all right, so let's start off um, with the free agents and how sort of that market has been changing over the last little bit. It really used to be all about the money, and now, I mean, I'm finding the more you see, it's about it's not necessarily about the city, or it's just I don't know. There's a lot of other factors. It seems like it's not just focused on the money. What do you guys? What do you think? is really the biggest drawing factor. Well, I think winning's the biggest priority because players understand that there's opportunities that come with the winning. You get more marketing experience, you, you get better exposure, plus it helps you get your next contract. So we see guys that are kind of on the fence in their career where they're they're trying to extend it and get one more big contract, take smaller deals with better teams in order to help expo- uh, get better exposure for themselves. Um, I, just, I still think money is the ultimate thing, um, but I no longer think that market is the biggest factor. I, players are winning everywhere, and I, I don't think that really weighs into the si- decision the same way it used to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you had recently Maverick Carter, who co-founded Spring Hill Entertainment with LeBron James. He said what matters most is if he wins, and when you win as an athlete, that's what matters most. And that seems kind of where it's going to because I mean Cleveland was never a huge like Cleveland who really let's be honest who wants to live in Cleveland (laughs) no or or OKC there's a lot of places that people are are at the top even um, Oakland where the Warriors are playing like that was a smaller market for a while and they had trouble attracting people so it's all about building a winning team yeah and I mean it also used to be things like when people talked about city as well it was like LA or Miami like you even had uh, Janice come out and say or as I'm going to call him now letter bro because it's a lot easier for me to say (laughs) so that's my favorite but he was like I don't like all these flashy cities I don't like LA and Miami I don't know if I could be the same player in those cities and I mean that's kind of the thing for Toronto as well because we're the only it's they're the only team in Canada. It's it's looked at a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Well, is oh, it, absolutely. Well, is it possible as another possibility instead of players or money? Because I think it's a little bit more players because they realize they have to get in their little trios there. But it's actually management systems because we see people wanting to go to Presti, wanting to go to uh, when David Griffin was there with LeBron. I mean, uh, LeBron's kind of part of that management system, I guess. You know, going to... Um, you know, um, you know, Houston with their situation there. Like, 
is it possible that the ability to surround you with the proper low price talent is what's pulling people more than just the straight up like big money big stars because they know well, no that. that's what that's what we were saying is building a successful team is what does it whether you want to pin that on the organization or the existing roster because um, i i mean you you pointed out cleveland but even though they they did have a great team it's still a dysfunctional organization so i i think it's it's situation more than anything it's all about winning and following and being buddy balls then well let, 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 <laughs> well no because i'm just saying like like you can't guarantee wins right because teams like you know the spurs win 50 60 games every year and you can't guarantee that's going to win and like uh Mello and paul george can't guarantee they're going to win in okc but what they can bank on is they're like i need to be on a team with at least two or three stars and so that's kind of the draw these days more than winning almost like to give yourself that better chip I mean, I feel like, no, yeah, a lot of people have been talking about, obviously, LeBron going to L.A. possibly. Like, his, he's got a house there. He's got his production company there. But there's a good point made as well that really the only filming and stuff that he can do is for, like, three months out of the year. So that doesn't really change. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we know LeBron doesn't take the NBA season seriously at all, and he doesn't work out or anything, and he would be fine with skipping practices to go film, right? Yeah. No, of course <laughs> he's only going to do stuff in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's just interesting to me because that's used to not ha- be how it was. Everyone was like, oh, everyone follows the money. Now it kind of seems like the money kind of pops up. If the talent's there, the money is The money made. will find you. Yeah, exactly. And not even that, but a lot of players we've seen this year and past couple of years taking paid cuts to be on a team that they want because they really just want to win. So that's something I feel like that hasn't... Is that good for the NBA, though? Because, like, uh, there's going to be that other question of, is it good for the NBA for Chicago, the Knicks, you know, the Lakers and such, to not be grabbing these big free agents? Or or is it so well, it, kind it's of It's good for the NBA because care. it forces them it forces them to be good. They yeah, need I would... to put together a good team. If, if you put together a good team, you're going to have that added advantage of the market. But if you just... If you can be a bad organization like the Knicks... You're not getting bailed out with free agents the same way because people want to win. It forces them to be better. Well, you also have James Dolan, which works against you, but yes. Yeah, and I mean, like, especially with New York, it used to be really New York, L.A., all the, like, either if you're up north, you're in New York, or if you're down south, you're in California or somewhere. Those used to be the big places because obviously they're the bigger cities, so that was the draw with them as well. Is the NBA sold enough, though, that they don't have to have, like... I'm just saying, because you're always trying to expand your markets, right? And if you're saying our champions are from, you know, San Francisco and from, uh, you know, Milwaukee, uh, let's just say, you know, like, 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 is that weirder to sell to the average fan who you're trying to bring in than saying it's from LA and New York, which are instantly Okay, so, so we're going to go from larger cities and big markets have the advantage to let's help out those big cities because the smaller towns I'm not are saying to help them out. Better. I'm just saying, like, do, do we think as a we're just talking business of the NBA to expand and grab more fans as it's doing? It's doing a good job. Well, I mean, I mean, the Bay Area market's huge, but uh, when you're talking about grabbing fans, casual fans, um, a lot of that growth is happening internationally, and I don't think that they really care what the perceived markets are in the United States. 
they they care more about players. Like when you're talking about the growth of the game in China, like they follow the players. When Yao Ming was in Houston, they don't care about the market size of Houston, even though it is one of the larger markets in the in the country. They they go they follow the players. They follow what's exciting. When you're just watching it on TV or on League Pass, you don't really care where they're playing. Part of the appeal of the big market was you used to be on national tele, nationally televised games all the time because you're in that big market. But with the growth of League Pass and all these other methods to watch games, if you're on a good team, those are the ones that are being televised. Yeah, and I think to that point as well, like. No matter if your team starts winning, eventually the fans will come because then you get part-time fans and people that are just hyped to be in the city, and they really maybe aren't deep basketball fans, but they'll start going to the games and they'll start watching because it's their city or their close, and that's where it kind of grows right. from there. So I think at the end of the day, winning is what matters most because then you start, do, yeah, you start pulling in those casual fans that aren't hardcore watchers, but then they're the ones that are going and filling up the seats and spending the money. Well, you could also argue, right, that uh, your exact point kind of counters mine. Just, just give me a credit, just saying, like, like some of the best fan bases in the league come from these small towns, right? OKC, Memphis, and all these places. And, and you go to some places like New York and Miami, where they're seen as more transient fans at times that can go up and down depending on performance, where you have these small towns that just like, like, like the Thunder, that's their team, right? There's not much much going on there. So, yeah, I can see both sides. I, I just still think long-term in the NBA, I, I, I'm still kind of crushing for one of these bigger teams to, uh, to make it there. Uh, uh, the bigger market, sorry. Yeah, I guess we'll see <laughs> sort of how the trends continue to go. Because like I said, even this year, it was interesting to see how many play, players like took pay cuts for the sake of winning. Up, so well, I'm not worried about the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> They're going to be there soon with, oh, with Portis and marketing. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, cities that have sort of been popping up as destinations, we can switch to Toronto and talk about how their younger players have sort of had to step up into more veteran roles. Like we see they lost uh, some of their veteran players a lot last year, and now they're sort of having to rely on their draft process. So how do you guys see... Well, I mean, this year, injuries aren't as pervasive as they've been right like a lot of these guys are here like sure guys are missing games here and there but I think the just ugly truth is they spend a lot of money on Damar, Kyle, Abaka, JV um, and their bench is almost outplaying them you know like like uh, that little rotation of Potal, Siakam, OG I mean you could switch them with CJ uh, bringing in Van Pleet who was a monster last night uh, and then uh, Wright or you can bring in you know um I, I mean, there's a whole bunch of young, like, like, it's actually a really young team. It's just, I think they have some interesting decisions to make because the flow of the team and the way they want to play now is not as conducive with their starters, but is with their bench. And you see it at the end of games where it's like, okay, now we need to score. Let's give it to DeMar Lowry. And it just breaks that cycle. Um, I don't know where they go from here. Like, I think it's kind of a tough thing because they've put all their eggs in this kind of like west coast offense where they're passing and shooting and all this but it, it i don't know if their two best players are buying in well i i think lowry's kind of embraced it but you're just seeing a more neutered version of him like if he's not the primary go-to score then he's going to struggle a little bit and then he's going to be a little more passive DeRozan, i think at least has bought in defensively we're, we're seeing better defense out of him and his role is still going to be 
shoulder a massive scoring load because if he shoulders that massive scoring load, it lets the young guys play in their ideal roles. It lets them not have to do too much on the court, which would make them a lot less effective. It would, without DeRozan there, if those guys are taking bigger roles right now when they're not ready for it, all of a sudden we're talking about a lottery team. So I, I think it's working well, and, and those guys are stepping up, which is what they were hoping for, right? Like, they, they were banking on those guys stepping up and, and taking that role. Um, but for the time being, um, I, I think it makes sense. Like, Toronto looks very good. Um, with, with Cleveland struggling, this is probably their best chance to make the finals. And they're, they're doing it with a team that has a lot of guys that can be there for the future, that can be part of future runs. So I, I think overall it's very positive for them. Yeah, and I think too with the younger guys, you get they're a little more adaptable. Like they haven't been in the game that long, so they're not kind of stuck in their old ways, if you will. Like one of their biggest problems last year was predictable offense and poor passing. Like it just wasn't working for them. And now you see a lot of the young players have really got their percentages up as passing, and that's where really they're making better plays. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, although I will say that the the ball movement dramatically goes down when they're down or against a good team which is going to happen like the Warriors are going to force you to beat them in isolation often Um, but how they play against the Sixers versus a playoff team is going to be interesting for me and I I think it's still going to be a little bit of a process to to get consistency when it comes to the style of play. But I think that's where some of the veteran players would have to step up and they really get the momentum going because they've been there they've been through it, they've had some playoff background so they're used to being down and they're really the ones that you should look to to keep the momentum going so that's why i think you always kind of need that balance right and i've got to say though uh just give me a little love because i love the gm game to Masai, like dumping carol and joseph's contract and then pick and, and and giving van pleat minutes who i think is outplaying what joseph did last year and then cj miles taking way less money who's giving you at least at worst what what Carol's done, like, and bringing over. Well, I wouldn't say way less money, but yeah, a little bit less. Well, isn't Miles at like, I would say now at like eight? Or was he I more? thought he was at like 12 million. Was he that much? Let me, let me okay. just check. That's going to be good audio. Here's me uh, checking. Uh, checking. checking. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, anyways, like, like, it, it is mainly the same team, but 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 replacing those guys, like bringing an OG, which is a huge draft pick. Like he, like it, if he was healthy, he would have gone. I think top twelve, probably no question. Probably, and yes, you, you're right. CJ Miles three twenty five. Exactly. Well, even a lot of so, people said they kind of made lateral transactions, like in the off season, like they some of the players they got rid of and replaced, like with the exception of Miles, you know, were neither better nor worse, and it was kind of, you know. I think they're better through chemistry, which is weird. Uh, getting rid of Toronto boy Joseph, but. Like, uh, they just shed a bunch of... I mean, they spent it in a Baca, obviously. But, I mean, like, that bench is going to need to get paid soon. But they, like... I personally think it's one of the better benches in the league. Like, like as an overall bench because of that continuity. Um, I just think what's really interesting in, in my mind is we're also seeing Nagara, Baby no, Nagara playing really well. We're seeing Potal playing really well. And JV's playing well, but... To me, it's just such a glaring space where they could shed some salary or do something. I, 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 well, I mean, I know we've had this conversation. He's a tough piece to trade, but if you're not, I'm sure there's some team is willing to just take money for draft for something. Yeah, for sure. And like he's, JV's been kind of a question mark the last couple of seasons. With a lot of people are like, he's going, he's gone. 
for sure, and he somehow made like these are the people who left last year. Poor Joseph. Because nobody left. wants him unless you're dumping a pick with them, which Toronto doesn't really have the assets to yeah. now sweeten it like they did with Damari Carroll. Yeah, I'd well, rather have JV than Carroll, I guess, for the same money. Well, because, yeah, they lost Carroll, they lost Patrick Patterson, they lost Joseph, they lost Tucker. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And, like, who did I mean, they... they yeah, still they, had Tucker, like, even at, the, even at the dollars that Houston signed him for, I think this would be a really dirty team. If they had been able to keep him and Miles somehow, and that was their three rotation, I mean, it, it hurts my man OG and hurts my man Bruno even more. Man... Uh, this is Bruno Bandwagon. I'm feeling mighty alone right now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> what I really like uh, on the Raptors broadcast is they're like, I would say like breaking news or like obvious statements with OG. Like they're taking it like his, his interview style, how he just answers in one or two words. And they're yeah. having him just do like commentary because well, they're he just playing like, off speaking, it. Like, he, like, you know, like, his English is pretty limited. I think that's really, for the most part, he's a lot of yeah. his English yeah. limited? Yeah. Yeah, his, I, his, yeah, I just thought he was a quiet guy. No, I no. think he's. Pre- I got a pretty thick accent. I think English is still a little bit of a, a struggle for him. Yeah, he's, he's good God, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of my favorite rappers. Whatever. I love him. He's he's one of the most exciting players that they've had in, in a long, long time. Well, I was going to say, you well, made a point saying he's pretty bad. And I was going to say, well, speaking of people that are pretty bad, Justin, it's time. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Cavs. Honestly, what's what's going on? Are they trolling us? Because that's... I don't know. This is... Well, let me ask you this It's getting worse and worse. I thought this was kind the of a... Cleveland Cavaliers, who have a ton of bad losses, but wins in Milwaukee, in Washington, and over Boston. Or would you rather be Toronto, who has beat a lot of bad teams, and their only quality wins are against a a crappy Jazz team and Blazers team, but losses to Washington or anyone that they're going to play? I mean, the the Cavs are really bad. They're a bad basketball team right now. Um, They're down two starters, with Tristan Thompson being out a month, Isaiah Thomas out. Um, They lost Kevin Love in the middle of last game. He had to be hospitalized because of an illness. Um, so that didn't help. Um, and Derek Rose really, um, the news came out that he's on a minute restriction for the year, that they're going to keep him under 32 minutes. I think his minute restriction should be closer to zero. Um, but, I, I mean, it's just not great. Like, they're a bad team that doesn't take the regular season seriously. They have quality wins over good teams, but it's going to be a struggle until they get healthy. Well, it's interesting you mention all their injuries because they just lost to the Hawks who are riddled with injuries. And they came off an eight-game losing streak. That was literally their second win of the season. Like, that should have been an easy... And I know good teams... The best way to beat the Cavs historically over the last three years is to rest everybody and make them not take the game seriously. Because if you can do that, the Cavs are going to come out in a lull. And they put themselves in a hole. They, they tried digging their way back, but as I said, Love had to leave the game in the third quarter to go to the hospital. Um, Rose was basically benched at that point. So they, they were fighting an uphill battle, and um, they can't just turn it on the same way they used to in the past because they no longer have that two-headed monster of LeBron and Kyrie. Yeah, well, I think the only, honestly, the only thing that I can make sense out of it is that they know they're just going to go deep into the playoffs, and they're like, that's the beginning of the yep. year, who's got time? And that's the that's... only, the only possible explanation. That and that's still the Eastern way that they've always been. Right? So since it's yeah. Eastern Conference, like, as long as they make the playoffs, like, look, home court's nice, 
but you know realistically they just want to see Isaiah and Love and Tristan all standing straight when it comes playoff time and the rest uh, they'll put in their own hands because at the end of the day you still have the best player in the league which he's proven which that ungodly 57 point scoring like like he's there's part of me that almost thinks he's getting better with age and it's scary like he's just figuring it out like like he doesn't have quite the hops he used to well speaking of LeBron obviously but yeah man he's smart man he's smart offensively for sure he, he plays absolutely no defense but that's a story for another day tackling his glee in a couple months I, I mean I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> Well, I'll ask We're going to see a different Justin. His moods, he's going to be all upbeat and happy. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you this then, Justin. Uh, do you think they're just waiting on the medical bills to come in and the clear bill of health? Or do you think there's something major moving this year to rock the boat? Like, 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 ha- has their, have their losses been so impactful that you think a major move? No, they, they do not care about these losses. Um, talk to Brian Winhorst on Thursday. And he was saying the mood around the team is that they really don't care. They're like the losses. It's like okay, whatever. Like it is what it is. It's almost like you're you're. Well, they've been there four fan. years straight, right? So like this part of the season. Right, right. And and make and for LeBron seven years straight. So it's it's exhausting. There's it's an extension of the preseason at this point for them um, because the, it was a shortened preseason and LeBron missed almost all of it. Um, so I, I think they're doing more process over results. Uh, they're, they're trying to get it together. They're, they're a little frustrated at times. They're trying to find something that works. As I said, Derrick Rose has been cancerous to this team that almost every time he's on the court, he hurts them. Um, so it's, it's not ideal, but they're not going to have a good defense unless Tristan Thompson comes back and is healthy. Um, offense is going to be rough until Jake Crowder and Jarrett Smith start hitting shots, which we know they can do. And Isaiah Thomas is going to help them out a lot when he comes back. And right now, they're um, what Rose isn't playing well, they really don't even have a backup ball handler because Amon Shumpert was in that role, but he's been out with a knee injury. Um, and then they lost another offensive initiator with Kevin Love being out in the second half. So it's it, it kind of is what it is, and health is obviously the biggest thing. Um, but having a, a mindset and actually caring about the games is what's really hurting the Cavs right now. Is it possible uh, we're being overly critical considering they have, what, five of their seven best players injured or something like that? Or or, or, or not really playing? No, no, it's fair. They're, they're, they're a shit team. <laughs> they're sitting like four spots up of last place in the East. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think that's overly critical. It's not like they're, you know, a couple slots down. Like, they're they are, they are pretty well under. They are a team by any way you measure it right now. Yeah. I mean, at least right now. And again, I really think it's just not... They're kind of trolling us, for lack of a better word, and that they're just holding <laughs> off because they know that they're, they're going deep. And, like, even LeBron had an explosive game the other night, and I think that's the sort of clap back at everyone. Like, you know, yeah, as a team, we're not doing great, but... Don't the most predictable thing heading into this weekend was for the Cavs to beat Washington and lose to the Hawks. Yeah, I'm sure that, well, I'm sure this is a topic I see us revisiting pretty often throughout the season. Uh, but that's pretty much it for us today. So we'll see how they do, I guess. If we have to revisit this, uh, this is going to be a depressed season for uh, for Justin. <laughs> like, like, Until he's if laughing. every couple weeks we're like, well, so the Cavs are again terrible. 
again all injured. But and until I, and then until I, he's just not. there like my fanhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for tuning in today, and thank you guys for uh, joining me once again. And we'll make sure you guys catch up with us next week so we can cover all the latest stories in basketball and the NBA. And as well, don't forget to head over to pressbasketball.com to follow all of our original content, as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Press Basketball. Do you guys want to plug your Twitters or Instagrams as well? Might as well. My Instagram's trash, but follow me on Twitter at Kazanada. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already do that, though. <laughs> Mine is Sporting Phil. Uh, and yes, it's Cavs Anada, not Cav Anada, not Cavs. It took me, uh, like, honestly, two months to be able to search for you, Justin, properly on Twitter uh, without screwing it up because I'm the worst speller ever. <laughs> but Cavs Anada. Perfect. We'll see you guys next week.